This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 55, 55 of wow. Real Blonde, a podcast that wishes Taraji P. Henson had remade Braveheart instead. <laughs> My name is Sean O'Connell, and I am the managing director Why here at Cinema Blend. that's so funny? But more important than that, <laughs> tell me you don't want to see Taraji's version of Braveheart. I'm just picturing her like in the, like the blue paint, like half the face. I'm in. I'm Freedom! In. I just want to, I want to see this happen. Uh, I'm the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. But more important than that, I'm co-host of Real Blend with these two fine gentlemen. Let us start off this week with Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Sir, how are you? Hi, Sean, Jake. Good to, good to see you guys. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about talking about all the things we have on the show today. Oh, my gosh. Jam-packed show. But before we get to that, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. How are you, sir? How the hell are you, Sean? I'm great. I'm great. I can't believe that we've done 55 of these episodes. I know. That's 54 more than I thought I was ever going to do. <laughs> well, we did try to get you off after some other episodes. <laughs> That's um, what she said. You guys know the, the drill by now. <laughs> when we get them... We start the episodes off with reviews, and this week we have two of them, so I'm going to read them right now for you guys. Uh, This is a reminder, if you guys go over to our iTunes page, you can give us uh, star ratings and you can leave us reviews. We will read them here on the show. This first one is from DA Meta, who says, a must-have for all movie lovers. And he says, he or she, says, I can write out a long, wonderful write-up for this podcast, but I want everyone who reads these reviews to read mine. Download this now, N-O-W, all caps, if you love wow. movies, conversation, and friends. See, I like that. This podcast Aww. gets my brother at Metajasar, which Metajasar, who I think we read their review earlier. This podcast gets my brother Metajasar and I to talk about movies every week based on what Real Blend talks about on their podcast. I love movies, This podcast complements the movies I see and the passion that I have. I love going to the movies, listening about the movies and writing and talking about the movies. And this show is a big part of this passion of mine. So thank you for that, D.A. Meta. That's awesome. That is awesome, right? Isn't that a nice review? The second one is titled The Missing Link. And I don't, I mean, that might be a reference to the animated movie. Is that a, is this a, or is this that, are the, we are the missing link. Maybe The Missing Link is Friendship. That could be what it could be what it is by someone named the Penman Eleven, the Penman Eleven, and he says, "Finally!" with exclamation point, a movie podcast that doesn't just talk about one movie, but all the latest movie news with fun blend games at the end. Oh boy, we have a good one this week. It's Jake Gyllenhaal blend. Yes, and all of us just submitted our choices literally minutes as the show was beginning. We all 
turned him into Gabe. Um, I tried to do, I tried to do a similar podcast about a year and a half ago and got six episodes in before junior year of college took over. I won't plug the movie because I have more dignity than that. They say, I, well, we have no dignity. So tell us what it is on, yeah. on Twitter <laughs> at real blend and we'll plug away for you. Uh, but I'm glad I get to listen to you guys instead. Sincerely an aspiring screenwriter named the Penman 11. So thank you guys each for those reviews. You know, I, I, my, my dad called me last night, and this is not a joke. He was... <laughs> I, love, I love that you have to start off the story with, it's, this, this is for real, by the way. No, I'm being serious. Like, so I, I guess he called me last night just to check in, see how I was doing, whatever. And he he told me that he was at the mall with my mom, and my mom was shopping, and he decided to check out to po- the podcast for the first time. He, he just got a new iPhone or whatever, so he downloaded the show. I think he listened to last week's show... Uh, leading into the Lady Gaga stories, what he said is, is how far he got because my mom was done shopping and then they had to go home. Um, and I, so I said to him, I was like, you should go, you should just download it and subscribe to it. Uh, and, th- and this is so funny because we always joke about my mom being the ones who writes the reviews, right? <laughs> and she's never heard me joke about that because she's never heard the show before. So that would not be something that's on her radar. Um, they, in fact, don't even know how to get the show uh, until now. So my mom texted me last night at uh, 8.53 p.m. She said, Dad just downloaded the podcast to my phone. I'm looking forward to listening to you guys talk movies. We are having problem picking nicknames. It won't accept anything. We want to leave comments. What do you think is wrong? So then I said, let me ask the producer to see why that's not working. So Gabe, we'll do this off the air. But my mom, she really wants, wants to be, she wants to leave a real well, review. When my dad called, he said that he <laughs> did try to leave a comment and it wouldn't, like he tried picking like Kevin's dad or or, or <laughs> Daddy Joe, whatever. He said it wouldn't allow him to choose a nickname. And I said, well, I think you have to sign into iTunes. So Gabe, I'll get with you, but my mom actually legitimately... This, this just got so meta, I can't even handle it. I know. It. And truthfully, How weird is that? I want right? every other person who leaves a review now to just be Kevin's mom. And, and then we never actor. know. And we never well, know. It's like the worst remake of Spartacus ever. It's like, <laughs> I am Kevin's mom. No, I am Kevin's mom. Well, the weird, the weird thing about it is we've been joking about my mom for a year on this show. Uh, and she has no idea because she doesn't listen. So there's no like uh, we used to. I, I made jokes that the London meetup we did. My mom was actually in performance capture suits and she was playing all the people who came there. Um, you know, like you met two people at the movie theater the other day in North Carolina. I said my mom played those characters as well. Like it, it's an ongoing. You said your joke mom played Bradley Cooper on stage with Lady Gaga. Right, that was my mom. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So Imagine the, if there the, was a podcast that existed out there that made jokes about you every week and you just didn't know, and then one right. day you started listening to it and it oh just... sean there is but it's just me gabe and kevin <laughs> right yeah. fair enough it's and the there, real blind twitter and feed it's called forrest gump is awesome <laughs> that, that, that's what the name of the podcast is no but the um it was just weird it was very surreal getting that text from my mom because she has absolutely no clue that we joke about. you should and the probably funny thing is, tell her before she well, starts listening to the show but they're not bad jokes the jokes no, but the, they do kind of come out of nowhere the joke is centered around the idea that my mom loves me so much that she just does everything for us, right? So, like, remember, like, she's the one who logs in, downloads our podcast every week. She's the only person who listens to it. Right. That's why I'm we still have all not these I'm convinced that it's actually her. <laughs> We've got, I've gotten to a point in some of these jokes where, like, Gabe will send us, like, how many thousands of downloads we get a week or whatever. And I'll say, my mom just went, bought that many computers, got that many IP addresses, and downloaded the show that many times. I mean, it's gotten that extensive. To be fair, I've um, met your mom, and she does love you that much. So. Yeah, and she's awesome. 
<laughs> oh no, my mom's amazing, and she wasn't listening to the podcast, but it was just a very random text to get that from my mom last well, night. Well, your mom is telling us to move on to news, so let's let's transition <laughs> to news. Um, two Dude, new trailers, on. two new trailers are dropped right before we started recording, um, and I'm I'm uh, I don't know how I feel about either one of them. Let's start with Pet Cemetery. Um, oh, I'm. S- Okay, I'm on. Well, I'm on board with Pet Cemetery. I think that it's it's an amazing Stephen King story. It's um, the the existing version of Pet Cemetery from 1989 is definitely dated, and that can use an update. and And if you talk about uh, adaptations of King books, so far it is crushing it. But I will be forever burned by the Dark Tower. Um, But so far, that trailer looks really impressive. Yeah, it looks. I I think. I mean, even speaking as someone that knows what's going to happen because I read the book um, not too long ago, uh, I still and even though they're changing things from the book, I still feel like they're showing too much. I mean, there there is a scene that's in the trailer that I think for a lot of people would have been shocking if they just didn't know it was coming. Yeah. Um. So it is a case of like, yes, I get it. You can be like, oh, the book's thirty years old by this point. I understand. But there's still a lot of people that haven't read the book and maybe haven't seen the original film or it's been a long time since they've seen the original film and I just feel like there are a lot of things that they that weren't shown in the first trailer that were shown in this one that I thought I would have loved for people to not know that a lot a lot it spells out almost the whole story yeah which yeah. is surprising I thought, I, I thought it was a really bad trailer to be honest did I, you I was yeah I was super annoyed with a lot of it like for example the dialogue is atrocious like there's a sequence where that cat comes back and he goes that cat was dead like Oh, we understand that. Why are you over-explaining that with exposition to the audience? Every piece of dialogue in that trailer felt like a setup to help the audience understand what was going on. Interesting. Rather than not understanding already. Also, I don't know if Jake's referring to the same scene I am, but I'm sorry. I don't know if it's in the book. I didn't read this Pet Cemetery book, the cutting of the Achilles or whatever. Um, Such a great scene. Not a good scene in the trailer, though. I mean, the original the original movie, it's great with the kid under the bed. It's an amazing sequence. I thought the trailer, it felt like it was, it just didn't feel fresh to me. It felt what? like a genuine remake, and it didn't feel, um, oh. like, I, I don't understand what this movie is going to do for Pet Cemetery that the movie in the 80s already didn't do. And I don't think the movie in the 80s is dated. It's going to teach it's actually, an entire generation to spell the word cemetery wrong. Right. But... Uh, yeah, it's true. But also, <laughs> has he ever has he ever said why he spells it that way? No, yeah. uh, it's a kid, isn't it? Isn't it, it, like it's, it's, a, it's a kid that made the sign? Yeah, I think so. Is that is that the whole? Yeah. But I want to talk about like when he decided to title his book that way. Like, is is that something that he? I'm, I'm uh, sure he has said. But I mean, it's just I think like a character choice you know, in the same way that uh, you know uh, Georgie wears a yellow slicker. It's just. It, the, the but why are we dancing around? There's the trailers out. What scene are you annoyed that they showed the girl coming back? I'm annoyed that they showed all the way through yeah, the girl that, coming yeah, back. I'm, I'm I'm annoyed that they revealed that that. He has a kid that dies. Yeah, you you could have you could have shown the entire premise of the pet cemetery and what the power and what of what it does without revealing that it gets darker by the fact that he has a child that dies and comes up with the idea that maybe if you take the child, which is where the whole concept of like dead is better comes. And I get that's the whole plot, but like I saw that I went like there is a whole group of people that have never read that book that would have just been. No pun intended. Hit by a truck. Yeah, yeah. That's why Whenever the that trailer's happens. bad because they give away. The so, but Achilles- is the trailer bad or do you think it looks bad? No, no the trailer is bad. I don't, That's fair. I, That's fair. I don't. That's fair. I don't know that the movie is going to be good or not. I mean, like Suicide Squad had one of the best trailers of all yeah, time. No the joke. movie wasn't great. No so joke. it's like 
I just find that that trailer is just really poorly done. And and then the Achilles tendon thing is literally the the craziest and most memorable moment of the first movie. And that is in the trailer. And also just the dead on dialogue. I mean, that cat was dead. And then dead is better. But that, uh, that, just, could, that could be chalked up to like, those just lines. a poor cutting of the trailer. Where, like, they need to he still explain. Says it. He, he does, but maybe it's maybe in the. I'd like to believe in a context of the film, it It'll makes make more it sense. makes more sense. But they yeah. need to explain to the audience what the bit is, for lack of a better word. Right, so they like, pull different lines out. To, when Momoa says or, permission to come aboard, he needs permission. He needs to actual permission. <laughs> But instead of saying the cat <laughs> was when dead... put into context... Right, right. He needed why don't you actually have the cat come out of the grave and let it speak for itself? You know, <laughs> maybe, no, maybe, I, maybe that I'm shot's not, not in it. Jo- maybe that not shot's not joke. in it. Maybe there isn't a shot that says that. Ugh, that was such a bad trailer. I'm sorry. Right. I don't think it was I'm, a bad trailer. I just, I, I, my biggest knock is that I think it reveals too much for people that haven't read the book. I, I feel this way about us now. I don't want to see anything else on us. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm starting to feel like I'm getting a little bit too much more, too much of us. And there's going to be one more trailer that will drop, and mm-hmm. it'll have every surprise. I, yeah, I, I say I'm not going to watch it. I'll be the first in line to get on. To, oh, to get sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm on board yeah, but, for the movie. I don't want to see any more marketing for it. Like, but the, so, so you're not going to watch the next trailer? No, no. I, the brilliance I of Jordan. Another one. But Jordan Peele's all about misdirect. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, it, 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 that's the beauty of his movies. Like, like I actually think his trailers are actually kind of cool because they're not like, anything what the movie's going to be about. Right. Um, that's what I find it interesting. To well, be, he only had like, one get, movie. We don't know for sure. <laughs> get Out was a brilliant trailer, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with the actual full premise of the movie. And his Twilight Zone thing looked great, too. Oh. Super Bowl. That looked fantastic. Freaking, I was actually kind of... CBS thing now. I was actually kind of shocked that Super Bowl allowed them to play that Us trailer uh, in the pre-show when all those kids are watching. That's a I pretty... I mean, he was dis- all over the commercials. He had Twilight Zone, he had Us, and then, and then isn't he one of the carnival animals in Toy Story? Yes, yeah, he is. but but it, the, yeah, but right. the majority of the Toy Story was more key, though, right? Like it was more yeah, key, to infinity and my foot. <laughs> but I just I just find um, the Us trailer. I was pretty brutal. Like I, I can't I can't imagine like a like a six year old kid watching the pre show for the Super Bowl, and then you have all those that kid crawling <laughs> up the tree, and like it's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, it's a little disturbing. Yeah. Um, you guys have anything to say about Shaft? Uh, um, I mean, I like I the like idea of it. I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't grow up with the original Shaft, and I remember seeing the Sam Jackson one once as a kid. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think my parents took me to go see it. Uh, I, I haven't really, I don't have any sort of like nostalgic connection to the character. I love the premise of the different generations of, of Shaft. I think it's a really cool idea, and mm-hmm. that intri- if, if there were anything to intrigue me about the film, it would be that. But I don't have enough of any kind of. Uh, emotional, cathartic, uh, nostalgic connection to that character to go like, oh my god, we're getting a new Shaft movie. Yeah, same. Um, and that trailer kind of intrigued me. I think uh, Sam looks super engaged. You know, yeah. he looks like he could be really funny. Jesse Usher is probably the right choice to play a younger version of that Shaft. Getting Roundtree is definitely cool, you know, but you need a story. I just hope they have a decent story that's worth following. So, um, Kevin, anything? Any? I, I thought it was a cool, I thought it was a cool trailer. I, I, I like seeing all three generations. I just hope they don't mess it up like they mess up the end of Halloween, where like they actually do something that solidifies the closing of a chapter hmm. um, versus just passing the knife on. Um, but I, I uh, it was cool. Like the three generations reminded me of the Halloween film, like having the three different generations of somebody. Uh, and I liked all of them looking at the camera with the gun. That was pretty cool. Uh, and Roundtree was funny. And yeah, I thought it was actually a 
pretty cool trailer. <laughs> Look I, around I, I, shot I that dude with a knife, and he's like, "You in a yeah. knife fight down here?" He's like, "Nah, I shot him." <laughs> That's a good line. But I, I had zero. I didn't even know the movie was being made. That was actually the first time I knew that that movie was even oh, wow. coming out. I didn't know anything about it, so I was actually pleasantly surprised at how funny it was. Well, speaking of a movie that we uh, absolutely know is coming out, uh, we haven't talked since the Super Bowl trailers. Last episode, we did a preview of what we thought was going to be shown, uh, and we dove into Hobbs and Shaw because we were able to see that. But we finally got footage from Avengers Endgame. Uh, Just to touch on it briefly, it's kind of old news at this point, but um, were you guys surprised at what they showed, or is it just they needed to show something because they had a Super Bowl spot and it was a montage of shots? Yeah, I like that they leaned into, you know, you guys know I've talked about it before. I'm a big fan of uh, the show The Leftovers. And one of the great things about The Leftovers is that it really, it's it's not about those that disappeared, but how it affects those that were left behind. And there are a few shots in the the Super Bowl trailer for Endgame that made me feel like they were leaning into that. There were some like posters for like a support group. And, you know, they really seemed like there was going to be a, a plot point about them dealing with the fact that, that this happened. And I think that's an interesting thing that I'm glad they're leaning into. So that's what I pulled from it. Speaking of, you sat behind Carrie Coon on a plane, didn't you? I did sit behind <laughs> Carrie Coon on a plane. <laughs> that's that's kind of awesome. And she replied to you on Twitter. Which yeah, well, cool. I did. I did talk to her because I didn't want to be that guy. You know, you you guys have been in that situation before. You don't want to be. Um, I said I sat next to City Forty Eight on a plane one time. You just, you just don't want to bug people. Um, and but as I was leaving, I had to say, you know, just I'm a I'm a big fan, and and, uh, and she was very gracious. So the big rumor after the Endgame spot is that the movie in its current edit is three hours long. Um, I have zero problem with that. Do you guys have any issue with it? No, no. no. I mean, I, I mean that, how long was Infinity War? Uh, two forty, two thirty-five. I that that's it's the same same my same rationale as to why Kill Bill should have been released as 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 one complete movie in theaters. I mean, it, it, I mean three hours is nothing. I mean, that's a that's a three hours. I mean, Infinity War was two thirty-five or whatever you just said. Um, uh, I, I don't think they should do intermissions. I don't want people. I, I think breaking up a movie like that is. I don't. Like, I don't buy the intermission. Destroys thing. the momentum. No, there's no way. All those that. intermission stories come from one person tweeting that he or heard heard something, no source whatsoever, and now everyone's picking it up as fact. I don't think no, they're doing an intermission. There's no way. I mean, first of all, three hours and twenty minutes with trailers is not a lot of time. Um, there's probably. I also saw the Russos. In an interview recently, I don't know who it was or I'd credit it. Uh, I saw it on Twitter uh, where they regretted shooting the movies back to back. Was that, that you was, guys? That was Cinema Blend. Okay. <laughs> yes, it was. I don't know, I saw, Our own Eric Eisenberg. It's a pretty good yeah. entertainment site. They, the they, regret, <laughs> they regretted shooting uh, Infinity War and Endgame back to back, but they didn't shoot them that back to back because they still went back and shot more. They did go but, back and shoot more. Well, the reasoning behind it, some more context of that is they, they almost wish they had a more time, anytime that they could have more time to work on something, but B they couldn't see how the audience reacted to infinity war. Um, and then pivot or improve anything, um, in end game. Cause by then they were already 50% into the end game process. I think that's a good thing though. I, I probably like th- that's probably that to me, that's what happened with last Jedi is they, uh, in my opinion, I don't know for sure. Ryan Johnson watched force awakens and the reaction to it and changed expectations. So I think shooting them back to back is a smart idea because then you don't have to deal with making choices based on what people said. You're making the movie you initially set out to make. Right. I mean, Quentin Tarantino, you know, like, and that's the thing. It's like 
Kill Bill should have been a release his three hour and 40 minute movie. And I think it would have done great. So I don't know. I guess the big thing with the three hour cut um, is just the number of times you can show it. Like from a business perspective, right? And yeah, I know that I mean, they're still going to go wall to wall to get into as many theaters as they physically yeah. can. It's going to be on every screen possible. It's going to be on like twenty screens at a twenty-five screen theater. Yeah, but you, I mean, but you know, you think about the number of movie theaters and the number of showings, and you, you know, uh, three hours versus two and a half could be the difference between you know eight and nine showings a day. You multiply that by ten screens in a theater versus how many theaters in a country? We're talking potentially. The difference between it breaking the box office weekend record and it potentially not, all because you needed that extra thirty minutes in the film. At the same time, See, if the movie needs it, give it to the movie. Oh, I know. Yeah. I trust. I, I'm, but I'm just seeing. I'm just talking from like a, a devil's advocate perspective sure. of like why Disney might be like. Uh. Yeah, I think the Russos, though, uh, thankfully, where they are with Marvel, they have absolute, probably final cut. Yeah. So I'm assuming that they are in a position to choose. I mean, I'd watch a five-hour Endgame movie. I, I mean, really would. There's no, yeah. yeah, there's no question. Yeah. I Remember, just, like, like uh, uh, Paramount with uh, Scorsese and Wolf of Wall Street. I think he contractually had to deliver it in under, like, it had to be under three hours. So it's like two fifty-nine, fifty-seven, yeah. or something like that. Like he <laughs> and it and it and it ran smooth and, yeah. as heck. You know, yeah. and, and to the point, you can have a three-hour movie that feels like ninety minutes, just in the same way you can have a ninety-minute movie that feels like three hours. So sure. I I care less about the length and more about the content within that three hour period. Infinity War feels like an hour long movie to me. Yeah, no question. No question. That thing moves like crazy. All right, let's switch real quick to our last bit of news, news slash speculation. We still don't have uh, anything tied to episode nine. We kind of thought going into the Super Bowl that we wouldn't get anything. We know that celebration is happening in April. That's probably going to be the time when hey, Star Sean, Wars shines. where's that happening? In Chicago. In the Chicago. City. Yes. And um, the plan is for all of us to be there. So that's going to be really, really exciting. Um, I just blew wind into my microphone and I know Gabe is just going to kill me for that. <laughs> so I wonder. We... I, I think it'd be kind of cool if they called it Star Wars Celebration. That'd be fun. I would like that. Episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, episode God, nine. no. Celebra- but they released, they, they released you, it at Celebration. You want Celebration. episode nine to be called Celebration? Like, <laughs> but instead of the John Williams theme, it's Cool in the Gang. Honestly, sounds better than Last Jedi already. Nothing. All right. Anyway, this is the moment where, for for those of you who are listening at home, you're missing out by not being able to see Sean do his little boogie. My dance. I know, and it was amazing. I do dance better than the Last Jedi. More than I should on an audio podcast. The rumor uh, of the new title on a Reddit post, so take that with a grain of salt, if you will, uh, is Star Wars Balance of the Force. And I don't want to give this too much time because it's probably inaccurate, but... um, Too wordy. See, I'm fine fine with it. I like it. I kind of know. It's no more wordy than the Empire Strikes Back. It's very on the nose. It's very Yeah, but Empire Strikes Back really kind of like, it flows. Balance of the Force just... Balance of the Force sounds like a video game. It does. Yeah. Or like a one-off like animated movie. You know what I mean? Like it, it that scene that no. That there's no JJ Abrams would not allow that. But there's he no gave way. it he started it with The Force Awakens. Can't you see him wanting to sort of close it off with something like Balance of the Force? Yeah, like The Force of Sleepins or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> I mean, but that is the end. Balance of the Force is oh, better oh. than the, the Force of Sleepins. What if they called it <laughs> the Star <Force> Wars? <laughs> what if they called it Star Wars Endgame? <laughs> Why not? If it worked for one, I would actually be 
perfectly okay with that. Like, I, and then, I'm what, 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 guys, and are, then they, are we just skipping past the force of sleepins? Because I, I am all for that. <laughs> We've, we have powered through that one. I yes. am but all I, for the I, force of sleepins. I do. I, I think it'd be hilarious if like they they announce the title as Endgame, and then like Bob Iger jumps out of a cake and like gives like a thumbs up and. By the way, uh, we got to mention Bob Iger. It sounds like he officially said that we're good for R-rated Deadpool's. Oh yeah, which sounds is good. which did, is. Did really... anyone think we weren't going to be? Well, there was actually Rob Liefeld tweeted that there was an actual worry that De- that Disney would not allow an R-rated Deadpool, and that there well, was an actual concern. worry. Doesn't mean that there was any actual. I don't, I, like, who, like what, what does that? Actually I'm par- mean? I'm paraphrasing him. I don't want to take him out of context, but the tweet I read from him made it seem like there was not a definitive answer until that call here's a question i want to ask you guys and this is going off book a little bit um but when disney takes over the fox properties the marvel fox characters i was assuming that they're going to recast um everyone but but not ryan reynolds like that isn't that going to be a little bit strange no brolin's going to stay on right see that's what i don't know yeah but like but it also sort of feel like Ryan Reynolds' connection to the real world of the MCU has always been borderline jokish at best. Okay. So I don't feel like it's as big of a deal as keeping on James McAvoy or Michael Fassbender. Like, Ryan Reynolds, like, if anything, it just provides more humorous opportunities for him to sort of joke about. You know, he can walk in a room and be like, oh, you're all different actors. You know, like, there's, there's, there's so much potential for humor there. And I don't think any, like, I don't really take Deadpool and the MCU too seriously. Right. I mean, I want them to reboot the X-Men. I want to see newer versions of those characters, which would give them a chance to do a new Wolverine and almost improve on the casting. I don't really love, I liked the first man casting, but I don't necessarily love what they've done with Apocalypse and we haven't seen Dark Phoenix yet, but that's, but I think the mystique element is played out. I think Fassbender's Magneto is kind of played out. I'm ready for new changes in those. But I want them to keep Ryan Reynolds. So I'm- is there is there a theoretical possibility that like Th- Brolin's Thanos could meet Brolin's Cable? <laughs> yes, I guess. Is that sure. is that possible? Yeah, because when they're, they're doing a movie called The Eternals, um, they've announced that, and Thanos is a big character in The Eternals. So it's not a guarantee that Thanos dies in Endgame. You could have oh, I, more Thanos. Yeah, stars. but okay, here's the deal. I I feel like Marvel is very protective over their image and they're very protective especially over how good the the quality of these films are I don't think they want to cheapen it by really taking any of their major Avengers characters and putting them in the Deadpool universe and having them being turned into a joke right Uh, so no I don't think there's a chance that Cable meets Thanos Hmm. because they're they're not they're not going to mess with the legacy that they're working on creating it'd be disappointing if Deadpool meets Wolverine in a in a Marvel story and it's not Hugh Jackman because those two are just so well then 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 there's the joke like every single thing where like there's a they know it's a disappointment is a potential for a joke yeah there's no way that's not gonna happen that it's good that's gonna happen right it has to especially with all these these videos they're making with each other and like I just feel like it's all leading up to something I don't know I think Jackman's done I, I don't think so. I, I hope mean, Jackman's done. How many times has Kiss gone on tours as their last tour? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's an the same lot. thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess Motley so. Crue, all those guys. All right, whenever we get a chance to meet one of the patron saints, we press pause on the podcast in general and we get to tell the story. And this week, uh, at the red carpet for Alita Battle Angel, not only did Jake get to speak with the cast and crew of that movie, but he got some FaceTime with Kevin's... 
surrogate father. <laughs> yes. James Cameron. So Jake, yes. tell us about meeting James it, Cameron. How did that work? It was very out? fast. I, I, I've knock on wood. I've, I've had the pleasure of, of um, I've had the pleasure of interviewing him a few times, and and you know, it's obviously he's someone that you'd rather sit down with than get him at the carpet. But I was happy to get him under any capacity. Uh, but it was cool. Uh, I, the the question that I had the most fun with was asking him. You know, he is been making films long enough so that you look at the scope of technology has just changed so much from the original Terminator film all the way to what they're doing with Alita. And so I asked him if he could take the technology that they're using for Alita, the technology they're using for Avatar, and is, is there any moment from his past films that he'd love to go back and maybe tweak because he wasn't able to get it right the first time? Which I've asked that question to before and, and sort of gotten almost like a Scott. I asked that to Ridley Scott one time. Uh, when for this past alien, and he almost seemed insulted, like, well, "How dare you insinuate that I would need to go back and fix anything?" So I was a little nervous asking, but James Cameron was very cool about it. And he said, "Like he said, I would love to go back with the technology of today and uh, redo the end of the abyss." He said because I just I had something in my mind, something I really wanted to pull off that I just didn't have the technology for at the time, and he kind of admitted that he kind of seemed a little bit like a failure, um, which I still think the end of the abyss is cool. I get what he's saying. Um, but no, he was great. It was very fast. I think, you know, from, from handshake to handshake, uh, I think maybe 90 seconds. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, you, uh, you, you see, you see, uh, James Cameron walking towards you and you think, just don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. <laughs> but, uh, it was very cool. And, uh, and, and, and like most of the moments that, uh, are cool in my life when Kevin's not there, usually my mind goes to God, Kevin should be here. So <laughs> you were, you were thought about, uh, Kevin, you were, you were definitely thought about in that moment. I appreciate it. I yeah. I don't think I would. I would not have let his hand go. I, would, I, I literally would just would have kept holding his hand. You said hand, yeah. right? Yeah, hand. All right. I, I, I don't. Know, I don't think I. I don't think I'd be able to actually speak to him. You have spoken think, to him not, though, haven't you? Not in person. Okay. I, I mean, over the phone, but like, I don't think that would be a possible. I, I. I just would have too much to say. I don't think I'd be able to get it out of my mouth. And because Terminator Two. You know, changed my whole life. So that, that's the whole reason I do what I do now. You'd ask so him where I, the True Lies Blu-ray is, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to know. I asked John Landau that question. And I guess they're working. Like, like he said something along the lines of, "I don't know." Uh, the, well, they're working on other movies, but he wants Cameron basically wants to sit down and actually work on it. He doesn't want to give it to a company and then just have them transfer it. You know what I mean? He wants to actually make sure the the print comes out okay. So you know, we'll see. Oh. I, I thankfully United. Uh, airlines, not a plug, not an ad. Um, they actually have it on their systems, so I watch it all the time. On you the plane. do, <laughs> you always yeah. tweet. Yeah, I was flying back from New Zealand, <laughs> and they had a, a full HD version of True Lies, better than any version you could find out anywhere. There's no the DVD for that film is like 16 by nine. It's like boxed, and it looks terrible. Um, so I yeah, that's my only route to watch it. So I try to make as many flights as I can so I can see it. It's been, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin like flies movie. to watch True Lies. I love That's that. That's the worst yeah. sequel to Up in the Air ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember I'm interviewing him for Avatar over the phone, not in person. And I just used my, I had like seven or my 10 minutes to talk about Terminator 2 and True Lies. <laughs> um, I didn't even care about Avatar because I didn't really like Avatar. My I favorite Kevin that. story, it's really fast. So Gabe, don't freak out. We, I uh, was interviewing him in London for the uh, 3D re-release of Titanic. And, you know, normally you start interviews about 10 o'clock in the morning. I, we had to wait until 1 a.m. to get, we got everyone else, but we had to wait until 1 a.m. to get James Cameron because he was literally at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, the <laughs> deepest that anyone's ever been. It was when, I don't know if you remember, a few years ago when he broke the record. Yeah. And he emerged from the water, got on a helicopter, 
flew to London, and then sat down and did interviews with us. Are you kidding and they me? Just, they essentially said, hang out till he gets up here. It was insane. So I, I have it. Uh, at the end of the interview, you can hear him say, do you always have this much energy? And he's asking because it's 1.30 in the morning when I'm interviewing him because he just came up from the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean and then flew to us. It was amazing. That poor guy had to That's go him. do a junket <laughs> after, yeah. after that amazing feat. James um, Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron is James Cameron. Well, and a Cameron, a real quick Cameron story to me, which was along the development of me recognizing how wonderful uh, the movie making process is, was reading about the making of the making of Titanic when Entertainment Weekly did a <clears throat> huge cover story profile about how this was going to be a disaster, like Cameron's disaster in Mexico, because he was down there shooting on a that massive soundstage they built for half the boat. And he told this story, or he was explaining why it was taking so long, or one of the issues of why they kept running into such problems is because they would tilt the boat for a scene, and all these extras would have to roll down the deck into the water. And then he'd be like, okay, reset it. And they would, you know, uh, let's see, lower it back to, to the position it was at the start of the shot, and dry off everything that was dry at the beginning of the shot... <laughs> And change the extras out of clothes because they have now fallen from dry into wet, and oh my uh, god, and reset and shoot it again, and just just the act of the extras tumbling down. And he's like, "That's why this is taking me so long." Everyone keeps asking me, like, "What's happening with this? Why are we?" He's like, "I need authenticity. I'm shooting the the death of the Titanic here, and this is what it takes to do." And I, I you never stop in the moment, you know, with these huge blockbuster films and think of the amount of effort that goes into the tiniest scene and reading that description blew my mind. I was like, Oh my God, you're exactly right. You would have to do that. We're here. We're watching these guys tumble, you know, off of high heights and land and water. And anytime the director's like, okay, cut, set it up, do it again. All right. Well, where were we at the start of that shot? Holy cow. And that, 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 that blew my mind. So. Wow. That's a great story. Cameron. Well, we'll have more on Alita Battle Angel as we get closer to the release, including um, a very special tease that we'll give at the end of this episode. But for now, let's run through. We've got a couple of big movies that are actually coming into theaters this week, some of which that we have seen. And I want to just sort of go through spoiler free and discuss whether we would recommend. I'll start with Taraji because I gave her a shout out at the beginning. Who has seen What Men Want? I have, unfortunately. Hey, Jake Hamilton. All right, give us a quick rundown of whether we should go see Taraji's movie this week. You should not. Oh, come on. It's so bad. It's <laughs> so bad. You know, what's funny is I actually went back. I, did, I, did, I interviewed the cast of What Men Want. And so I went back and rewatched uh, the original Mel Gibson film, which is coming up on 20 years old, believe it or not. It's, uh, it was released in 2000. And that's a very problematic film. You look back, and there's just a lot of things that the character says and does. And I get that's a point. He's supposed to be sort of a chauvinistic pig. But it also, sure. like, reduces rem- women's thoughts to these very stereotypical cliché. Like, oh, like, I'm, I'm you know, like, like, women have deeper thoughts than they okay. portrayed in the film. The, the trailer of this movie makes it seem the same thing for men. Like, all they talk about is their farts and stuff like that. Is that all it does? It, there's a lot of that in it, and now it's R-rated because this is an R-rated film, and it's okay. just it's it's so unbelievably unfunny, and just <laughs> truly, truly some truly just cringeworthy moments. And you know, Taraji is a great actress; like she's yeah. she's an Oscar-nominated actress. Um, it's it's she's better than this. She's I think she's got a she, she's she's better than this film. This film, like I'm flipping, you know, this film. 
Ghostbusters. Like, like uh, it's you, you got to do more than just flip it on its head. You got to you got to justify its existence with a good story, and the good story's not there. Okay, fair enough. Um, Gabe wants to point out, just doubling back, he brings up a really good point when you said, uh, "How often does Kiss go back out to justify why Hugh Jackman will come back as Wolverine?" And Gabe asked. How often does Kiss have to work out as hard as Hugh Jackman does to get ready <laughs> for Wolverine? True. And I think that's, a, that's very, true. It's a very fair point. That's a Gabe point. hasn't spoken in 18 episodes, but he ha- he comes firing in with a random Kiss fact. Well, and the truth is, Gabe doesn't exist. That was just me <laughs> pulling and that back you, out of my back pocket. And by you, you mean pocket. Kevin's mom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Cold Pursuit. Who has seen Cold Pursuit starring Liam Neeson? Kevin, did I, you stay home? Where did you go this week? <laughs> I guess fair huh? enough. I didn't either. I'm seeing what men want tonight, and I saw Lego movie. I didn't see Cold Pursuit. Well, we'll get to the Lego movie in a second. Jake. I saw Cold Pursuit. Cold Pursuit. I let me can I just say that I, I'm giving this review detached from the recent Liam Neeson news. I 100%. saw it weeks before everything happened. Yeah. I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, surprisingly so. It feels like, obviously to a lesser degree a bit of a Coen Brothers film and that it has a really dark sense of humor. About 30 minutes in, I, I like sort of was in this, because, you know, I went in expecting this super serious Liam Neeson drama and I kind of found myself like chuckling and then almost looking around going like, is it just me or is this funny? And like, am I allowed to laugh? And by the end, I was like audibly laughing out loud. Like, yes, it's dark and it's violent and it's, it touches on some really heavy things, but it's really funny. And it seems um, like it's it's probably the most fun I've had. What you know, in in sort of the resurgence of this new Liam Neeson career he's had, it's probably the most fun I've had watching one of those movies that he's done. I love the Gray. I think the Gray is the best thing he's done, uh, maybe in his, in his entire career. Right. Um, but it's not. But I wouldn't call that a fun film to watch. Um, this is a fun movie to watch. We I used a lot of it. footage. Um, it cut up in between our interviews that we did from the junket, and they all ended on laugh lines. And yeah. I was like, "Is this movie supposed to be a comedy? Like, I don't, it I didn't understand that it at is. all." Yeah, it's and, and it's directed by it's a remake, and it's actually written and directed by the guy who wrote the original. Um, so he has a, he has a great understanding for it. Um, it's more it's a much more of an ensemble piece than I expected. Like, there's a big chunk of the film where Liam's character just sort of disappears, and you start following these other characters. Okay. Um, but I was in. I was in it. And Laura Dern? Laura Dern is in it? Does she have much to do? Emmy Rossum? Not much. Uh, bo- both distant secondary oh. characters, I would say. Okay. You get to know more about the villain, I guess? Yeah. The villain, I would say, you get to know a lot more about. And then there is um, a Native American community. Uh, it takes place outside of Denver, I believe. And there's yeah. a Native American community that's almost borderline mafia-like that gets brought in about halfway through the film. And then you kind of sidetrack and start learning a little bit more about them. And then you really become pretty invested in, in a lot more characters than I expected to be invested in. Okay. Right. Does the Liam Neeson story affect the box office? Yes. It's tough to say because I don't know that many people that were excited about that film to begin with. So yeah, if it does it, it poorly, it well? I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely convinced it was going to do well before that story. So now if it, when it doesn't do well this weekend, people are going to assign that to to the reason why, but I'm not entirely. I mean, it, it was never going to open to taking numbers or anything. Well, if I were to guess, I'd say Lego is going to be number one. I would even say What Men Want would be two, and I could see Glass being three. Like I could see all three of those movies doing better than Cold yeah, Pursuit. Yeah, keep in mind what What Men Want is rated R, but there is, I think there there will be an audience for that. I think so. All right. Let's... Oh, What Men Wants could like they're they're tracking really well on that. Are apparently. they? Yeah, yeah, like Will Will Packer, I think he produced it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and his movies open really strong. Yeah. Like, I, I was reading, 
I think I was looking. I don't remember where I read the tracking, but I think it said eighteen to twenty-four million, which that would be not that would be a bad. successful. Anything I, th- I would argue anything above twenty for that movie is is yeah thumbs up. Well done. I think Lego is going to be one, obviously, yeah. and then I think I read tracking for like Cold Pursuit around seven to ten or something yeah. like that. So yeah. I just don't. But also, Cold Pursuits are rated, correct? Yeah. So are. I don't. But think, honestly, I don't, seven to ten. If you were to ask me, if you were to take away that Liam Neeson story and ask me what it was going to open, I probably would have said seven to ten. Yeah, I don't think Cold Pursuit was going to do that well, regardless. But I, I, I was telling my producers the other day. I agree with you, Jake. I think that the um, the story on Monday morning is going to be the movie bombed because of this, and there's no way to actually tell that information for sure. Let's save the bulk of this next segment for uh, Lego Movie 2 talk, because we've all managed to see it, and we want to talk about it total spoiler-free. Embargoes are lifted, but we don't want to spoil anything. We want you guys to be able to go to see it. So let's just start off with uh, in-general thoughts on it, and would we recommend it? Uh, Yeah, I I thought it was smart. I thought it was clever. Um, I loved the very self-referential sense of humor that it has. Um, it seemed a little random to me at first. Like it kind of felt like a bunch of people in a meeting coming up with ideas and rather than pick one and stick with it, they just went with all of them. And it does (laughs) sort of tie together, uh, at the end. Um, not as good as the first. And unfortunately that X factor of like, oh my God, this is amazing. Where did this come from? is replaced by a sense of, uh, I've seen this before. Dude, that's exactly my takeaway from it is just... The first one is so original and so creative to me. And so now you have Lego Batman and you have Lego Ninjago that also come along. So even the animation style has lost a little bit of the, wow, this is really cool. Look what they can do with it. And I think that there are some surprises in Lego Movie 2, um, but they still feel too much like what we got in the first movie. Yeah, but less so. Yeah, and so I I actually left it disappointed. I left it kind of disappointed because I was I had the bar to me was set really high by the previous ones, and uh, I I just didn't think this one matched it. I thought I thought it was I thought it was good. I mean, it's, it's a solid movie, but yeah. I don't. I mean, I I just felt like nothing surprised me, but. You know, it, there's probably really no need for a Lego movie sequel, um, but there are some really great jokes in it and some great voice work by Pratt and Banks. And uh, I thought Tiffany Haddish was really good. Will Arnett. Is um, Pratt doing a Kurt Russell impression? I asked him that. He yeah. said he, he wasn't his intention. It was just it just he was actually flattered that I even compared That's, him to I, that. Honestly, but, I thought it, at first I thought I was like, did they get is that Kurt Russell? But my <laughs> first. Like, yeah, my first ninety percent, the first eighty percent of the movie, I thought it was Kurt Russell. Wow. I actually genuinely thought it was. I, I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't know anything about Rex Danger Vest. I don't remember even seeing the trailer for it, so I didn't know that that character even was part of the movie. Um, at least that I don't remember it specifically. And I just thought Kurt Russell, because I, I, my thought process on it was, oh, they worked together on Guardians Two. Right. That means that that he probably just brought him in um, to do that. And then the Bruce Willis thing. Uh, which, I, without giving anything away, specifically where that is, that really is Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, so that's kind of a cool little thing, and and that's not a spoiler. Phil and Chris mentioned that frequently in my interview. He's like, in as a commercial too. They put him in a yeah. which I was very surprised at. Yeah, they, they and I think, uh, but the movie, the, the ending credits are better than the overall film. Oh, without um, without question, without and they're really it's a Lonely Island song, right? Yeah, the ending credits are awesome. Uh, um, I I do like that the movie essentially is apologizing for getting that song stuck in our head for 
all these years, which is kind of cool. Um, I mean, it's, listen, it's a very solid film. I mean, it's well-written, it's well-acted, uh, it just doesn't feel new. Um, so, I mean, I gave it a four out of five, which I think is a B. I think it's a solid movie. It's not a bad movie by any means. Um, it just doesn't, it didn't do anything new for me. I think I'd give it a three and a half. I think I'd give it a three. And here's the weird part, too, is I brought my 10-year-old, Brendan, and when it ended, I was like, that was pretty good. That was kind of funny. And he was like, yeah, I really didn't like it. Like, I I think his his expectation for it was much higher, too. And he didn't really like the music. There's, like, musical numbers. There's, like, a couple of musical numbers in Too it. Too many. Too many, right? Like, and they didn't really work that well. So, I don't... I don't know. I re- we rewatched the first one a couple of times. I I don't even feel compelled to rewatch this one. So. The first one is a is a classic. You oh know my I mean? god! It's that was on my top ten list that year it came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, mine too. It, it's nowhere near that greatness, but I do think overall it's a good, it's a solid film. And I think it's maybe because Lord and Miller were being pulled a towards Solo for a while, um, and then also towards Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So I don't know if their attention was fully on this one. Although I know yeah. they did press for it. And they didn't direct it either. Mike Mitchell directed it. And I think, yeah, it's interesting because like Phil and Chris, when they direct a movie, it's a home run, right? And then like sometimes when they're just producing, I mean, Spider-Man was not directed by them, but it had their their uh, style yeah, all over it. With and the, there are a couple Phil. of moments in Lego 2 where you look and you go, that's such a Lord and Miller joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like, I mean, the whole movie is just random. Like it's, yeah. it's very almost, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, there's but a, like too random because it starts out feeling like it's, a tribute slash mocking of Mad Max, and then it goes to space, and it's just, it's yeah, just the, sort of like, well, like, like, where, where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. There's an there's an entire 2001 homage in there, which is kind of cool, <laughs> uh, like the warping, which was awesome. I thought that was pretty yeah. awesome. There's yeah. some, there's some cool stuff in there. I mean, if you're if you're a movie fan, I mean, there's like so many little intricate details and references in there that I thought were really funny. But the it, moments it, were better than the movie as a whole. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there are things in there that are overall better than the movie, for sure. Before we jump off of this, because we mentioned Chris Pratt, he said today that they, as far as he knows, are still using James Gunn's script for Guardians 3, which I found to be really surprising. And I I, I thought that Taika Waititi's... Um, uh, comment about not directing Guardians Three was really cool. Great quote. Great. Yeah. Quote. Great quote. Yeah. And That's I think the that perfect that was answer, right? Yeah. Perfect answer. Well, so tell, tell, people, tell, tell people what he said. Essentially. Yeah. Well, essentially, what he said is like, what, like it was, it's like going into someone's house or something like that, Sean or something. I can't remember. His he said he says that those are James's stories, and he said, I can't imagine how uncomfortable it would be to go into someone else's house and just say to them, "Here's how we make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches now." Like, it was such an odd analogy, yeah. but it made, it made sense. It made me think about the secondhand cringe moments you would have walking on that set, not being James Gunn, and telling Chris Pratt what to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, that's got to be really weird. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a but job. Someone's going to have to do it. No, but that's yeah. my question. Who, I don't think anyone's who was ever it. going to be able to do that? And, and they need feel- someone who's great, and no one great is going to take over. Like, most, from what I'm... Uh, understanding about all these stories, most people want James Gunn back. If I if I'm not mistaken, oh, yeah. I believe the cast signed a whole thing. So I I don't know who wants to be that person. Who wants to be that person that walks in there and does that? I really I don't think any, I, Disney I don't think has to be kicking themselves for for giving such a knee jerk reaction. Do you think they hire him back? I don't think he comes back. I I, I could see them off trying to get him to come back and him saying no. 
He's going over to he, Suicide Squad. Yeah, well, he's going to be doing confirmed, that. Confirmed, right? That's not, not confirmed. confirmed. No, not confirmed. He's writing but that he, script, and they want him to direct it. Is the writing of the script confirmed? Yes, that's confirmed. The directing is is a rumor. Correct. The other name that I heard thrown around for a potential James Gunn replacement, although he said he will not do it, is Bradley Cooper. No, <laughs> there's no way. He's part That'd of that be, ensemble. Oh, what, just because he's he part of the ensemble and he's a director It's part of that cast. That's a gigantic jump. It would be. I can't imagine he wants to follow up A Star is Born with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, that, I would at least believe why that's happening, right? Like, I would at least understand them keeping it in-house and he's a talented director. And in, and in the Marvel blueprint, you know, you can lean on the tech departments that they have to make things happen. And if he has a great script and gun script, I, I don't know. I'm spitballing. I'm saying what if the Russos stepped in. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't you want imagine? to ever stop making Marvel movies. So truly, what if they were like, we want, we're going to keep James vision alive, right? Step in. They've already directed these characters yes, in infinity have. war and Endgame. Yes. Um, I know gun reportedly was, was was pretty heavy handed in their Guardians elements of Infinity War. Right? Yeah. I think he chose the opening song, things like that. So I could see the Russos. Could you? Uh, here's here. This might sound kind of crazy. I could see the Russos. Uh, I could see James Gunn directing Guardians of the Galaxy three through the Russo brothers. Through the Russo brothers. Yes, yeah. I could kind of see that. And like like after yeah, doing Infinity like War and scenes. Endgame, it's like. Doing a, I think Guardians 3 to them would be like doing a short story after you finish a novel. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that as a sign of disrespect. I don't at all. I just think you're juggling so much with one of them that to just focus on the Guardians of the Galaxy 3, you know, script would be pretty easy for them. They may even make that May 2020 release date if they wanted to. Yeah, but I could see the Russos after Endgame essentially just needing a break. Because oh, they, they would need to almost jump right into Guardians pre-production. And I think and they I mean, want Star Wars. Here's the thing. Though. Guardians 3 is going to be affected by Endgame, sure. right? Yeah. So it's sure. the Russo's is it though? Be... Because I also heard a rumor that it's going to take place before Infinity War so you can involve Saldana. Oh, that's possible. Oh, that's interesting. Because See, there is a three-year gap between the right. end of Guardians 2 and... But aren't they going to bring Saldana back? Are they? Probably. She didn't, I, mean, I mean, she didn't... Dis- I mean, she wasn't snapped away. She was killed. Yeah, but... I, listen, I think See, her character... See, that's going to be my issue with Endgame. I agree with you. you I agree with you. If you bringing everyone back, now, then, it, it, then it destroys the The stakes weights. are gone. Exactly. I, can, I, I don't want to live in, a, in, a, in an Avengers movie where everything can be rewound. Like, there needs to be consequences to actions. And, like, Zaldana's death, as much as I like Gamora, that character needs to stay dead. I agree. I mean, that, 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 that is a very pivotal I mean, sequence. Endgame, in, in the same way that we talked about how... Last Jedi undoes a lot of the greatness of The Force Awakens. At least I feel that way, and I think Kevin feels that way. There yeah, is a chance 100%. that Endgame undoes some of the greatness of Infinity War. If they start doing no. that bit where they bring back everyone alive, no. it's going to kill the weight of Infinity War. It, it, if, 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 if I, I Trust me, I trust the Russos, but you know what? I trust Ryan Johnson, too, because he directed some of the greatest Breaking Bad episodes of all time. So crazier things have happened dude all i'm saying is you start bringing people back to life that you kill off and i grant i get it i get it spider-man's coming back black panther's coming back but the people that die have got to die and they've got to stay dead i sometimes dead is better i still think yeah i know that cemetery i still think that liefeld's the lies theory is 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 the the best route 
the ones who disintegrated are actually alive. I think that's like a perfect way to settle that. No question. The only thing I I will accept or that I'm leaning toward hoping happens is that time travel is involved, which we've been hearing time travel will be involved. And we get to a point where they're able to reset to a point on the MCU timeline before any of this other stuff happened. Like I'm saying like right after the culmination of the first Avengers movie. So that everything after nothing that is happens in New York. He never uh, Loki doesn't get sent by Thanos. Yes, blank slate. How funny would it be if like the end of Endgame is like it, it's it cuts to Ryan Reynolds walking through the portal and then shooting Thanos in the head, like he, like, <laughs> like 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 when he shoots himself in the head at, for after reading the Green Lantern script, like and that that's Deadpool's introduction to Disney. Like, I would that would it. be. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. That it would never cool. happen, but that'd be incredible. Yes. Let's switch over to this week's blend game, which turned out to be a lot more challenging than uh, anticipated. And it's truly when you look at the uh, the roster of films uh, by Jake Gyllenhaal, who is our subject this week, uh, there's a million films that could arguably be uh, a masterpiece. And uh, listen, as our listeners probably remember, uh, at last week at the very end of the episode, we announced we were going to debate uh, Liam Neeson, however, obviously with everything that happened with Neeson, it just, we all sort of talked about it, decided it was really kind of inappropriate to use him in a blend game because we use the blend game as this celebration of film and a way to really express our love for it and just everything that was happening in the news, it just sort of felt wrong. So as fellow movie lovers, of course, we encourage you guys to Keep reading into, you know, the Liam Neeson news and, and debating whether you're going to go see Cold Pursuit uh, or not. But we had some great suggestions from Real Blend listeners on our social media account that they wanted to hear uh, Jake Gyllenhaal anyway, especially um, one of our guys who listen to us all the time, Kyle David Perry. Uh, he kept pushing for Gyllenhaal and the minute he suggested it, everybody still jumped on board. And and I believe we had Gyllenhaal in mind anyway, too. So let's use this opportunity. It took 55 episodes to get to Gyllenhaal. Yeah, and I want to also point out, I think it was Kalina who was like, oh, you have to say Jake because you'll never do Maggie. Like, no, we'll do Maggie. I'm actually going to push to do Maggie Gyllenhaal now because she has some really, she has some good movies. Don't give me that face, Jake Hamilton. She's in The Dark Knight, for God's sakes. She's okay, the new Katie so Holmes. We, can we just say The Dark Knight and move on? <laughs> no, Secretary is a very good movie. Kindergarten Teacher is a good movie. She's good. She's good. You guys and your skepticism. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, I've been told that Kevin gets to go first. BDK, kick us off. BDK! Yeah, this was a tough one, um, but I ended up with Bubble Boy, um, only you, because I just think that that role is brilliant. And I think everything he does from an emotional standpoint in that movie is just genius. And I think that just that that's really the the culmination of him as an actor. Please, for the love of God, tell me you're not joking. Yeah, I'm kidding. God, no! I was like, oh, please let this not no, be a joke. All of our please faces were not... like scrunched up. Like, please wow. let that... I was so excited that this was real. No, I went with study slickers because I, th- I just think that I think that that's <laughs> that might be the like that, to me. Like, if you think about the this is what you guys get movie, for letting right? him go first. Are these your, I just don't. Are these your fake Gyllenhaal picks? No, these are these are oh actual. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Fake John Hall, get it? No, I get. I just got that. It took me a second because I was actually going through his IMDb page to find another like bad movie one. he was in. <laughs> it took me. That was actually very good, Sean. Thank you. Fake Jalen Hall. Uh, I, I wish that I was on your wavelength for that one because I was reading my phone to find another bad Jalen Hall film. Right. While you said that, and I missed the entire pun. So That's please okay. forgive me. No worries. Um, that was that was that might be your best one. 
Mine have been pretty low, so the bar is is not high. No, see, the thing is, I joke that yours are low, but I actually think that yours are better than mine. (laughs) Yours yours have amazing potential. Um, Jake agrees. Um, I I went with Zodiac, uh, and I chose that because it's my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Um, Now, it's I feel kind of creepy saying it's my favorite Gyllenhaal movie. It's a really really disturbing film. Um, It's but I think it's Fincher's best work. From a director standpoint, I, I I think that I would rather put on Fight Club or um, you know some of his other films rather than Zodiac. I just think Zodiac is his it's his masterwork. It's it's just the the pacing, the um, the grotesque uh, element of the story, the grittiness of it. Downey Jr., uh, Joan Hall. I mean, I just think that it's interesting because like I think performance wise, you go. Uh, I'm going favorite movie, but then favorite performance, maybe be Nightcrawler. I mean, there's so many different ways to go with him or enemy. Um, but I think that Zodiac overall kind of encompasses everything I love about him as an actor while being in a phenomenal film overall as well. Uh, everybody is in, in that film. I think, isn't Ruffalo? I mean, everybody, everybody Downey. in that movie kind of up. Yeah, Downey. Everyone ups Chloe their game. Eight. Yeah, it just, it, it's just a, it's an, it's an incredible film. It's a perfect movie um, that just, does a great job. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know who the Zodiac Killer was for sure. And I think that Fincher ba- plays that so well. Um, and well, your song on- choice at the end just haunts me. Yeah, and you're on board the whole time hoping this thing will get solved even though you know it doesn't. And I think that that plays into the performances of these people. Like, there's a hope with these characters that they're going to find something, right? And, they, and, and inevitably, we know they don't. And that, that, to me, is just pure acting. It I becomes mean, like that, so much a study of just an obsession, of what an obsession yeah. can do to... Because it ruins Downey's character completely. Yeah. And, and Gyllenhaal can't let it go. All the times when Ruffalo's character says to him, like, dude, you gotta let it go. We're never gonna solve this. And he just... I've only seen it once, and I'll never watch it again. What?! Because, oh, of, the, dude, I've seen it because a few of the park times. stabbing, it gets, so, hey, dude, the, it gets better, man. No, no, no. Uh, oh no! When I saw it, I gave it a five out of five. I reviewed it. It's my favorite. It's the best movie Fincher ever made. Um, from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, I can't watch that beat that 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 scene of the stabbing on the beach. It's just a horrible, yeah, horrible rough. sequence. Um, that 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 scene, I remember seeing it. I had to see it in a theater to review it that week. I can't remember what year was that. Two thousand seven, I think. Okay. I felt those knives going into my stomach. That's how I. That, that, I'm sorry. That's how I felt you when I watched to, it. Dude, you have Oof. to revisit it because uh, I'll, I'll even revisit though it. you gave it a five out of five, you don't remember how great it is. I remember how great. I, mean, I just told yeah, you. Yeah, but also, you're, I mean, it was like that movie's more than ten years old. You're a different person now. You're than you a were different. Then. You'll, you'll have a completely different visceral experience now than yes. you did when you saw it 2007. I just remember being blown away by every performance in that film. Every performance it's so and every single element of it. So. Uh, my pick comes from a, a movie I watched a long time ago, but it's still it's. But doesn't that also kind of show you the impact that, that film had on me? Oh I mean, that's, yeah. That that that's that that's. You know, I haven't watched it since, and I don't really want to watch. I'm kind of afraid to watch it again. Um, but now that I'm, it's it, it's actually interesting that I chose that because the other day Lauren and I were looking for a movie to watch, and I had just finished the Bundy documentary. That's kind of in a true crime mood, right? And I actually said, "Let's put on Zodiac," and Lauren said, "No." Uh-huh. Um, so there was actually a, a point where I was going to pull out, pull the DVD off the shelf and, and watch it again. I just, I, I just, um, haven't emotionally gotten to a place where I want to sit through that again. <laughs> uh, and, and it's, and, and it's funny because I think it's Fincher's best movie, but I don't, I'll, I'll watch Fight Club any day of the week. I don't, I, I, I can hardly watch Seven again. Seven's too brutal. I yeah, don't remember so. what we picked for Fincher Blend. I know we did Fincher I one time. I picked Seven. Did you? I think I, yeah. I think I went Fight Club. 
I'm pretty sure I did. I forget but, what I said. No, no, I actually I went Zodiac, Zodiac, but I think we were doing best. I think I'd say I think we were we doing were best, best at that at that time. Yeah, because yeah. I went Zodiac. Did Zodiac. What did I do, yeah. Gabe? Did I do Zodiac also? But I went. That was the best. Well, what good no, are we, you? We, we, we were doing we were doing best of the blends at that time. If I yeah. if we did Fincher again now under the favorite, I would go Fight Club just for the opening credits alone. But you know, it's yeah Zodiac. Right. I get to go next, and I seriously debated Zodiac for a long time. And part of the reason why I didn't pick it is for what Kevin said too is that it just felt uncomfortable calling it like my favorite yeah. movie. It's uncomfortable, and and to me Fincher David Fincher to me is what Tarantino is to each of you guys. Like I ever I love everything that he's ever done. He's to me the greatest working director right now. I cannot wait for whatever he does next. I don't even know what he's thank, working thank on. Thank God it's not. They just next. announced yesterday it's not World War Z two. Yeah, dead. I thank know. God. I, but listen, even with him involved in it, I would have been intrigued to see what he does. I would have been like, give okay. They should then they should have given him World War Z. Don't give him World War Z two. Yeah, no, I agree with that, hundred percent. Um, and so then when I looked at films, I really couldn't choose between some Gyllenhaal films that to me are just truly great. Like he has so many films that are. You know, Nightcrawler, Zodiac, just films that are amazing. Um, Donnie Darko. I almost went to Donnie Darko. So I went after a performance and I went after a time where even though I acknowledge the fact that he's one of our greatest living actors and he tends to really blow me away with everything he tries because he challenges himself constantly. um, I went with Stronger, which is something that I saw just recently. And um, A, I love the movie. I think the movie is a fantastic study of... Um, a person who gets the concept of um, a, a, a ho- I'll say hollow slogan. I don't mean it in, a, in an offensive way, but like the idea of Boston strong. This is he plays a guy who loses his legs in the Boston Marathon bombing. He happens to be at the finish line. Uh, is going to meet his girlfriend as she's running. He loses his legs in a in, in a horrible depiction of that explosion, um, and then he becomes the unofficial face of. Boston strong of the na- of the region fighting back against terrorism and he just doesn't have he has no interest in that he doesn't want to be the face of that he gets in one of the saddest and most powerful scenes in the movie and Gyllenhaal plays it so beautifully he gets wheeled out to the middle of center ice for a Boston Bruins game and everybody's cheering for him because they view him as a hero survivor and he does not feel that way at all he's dealing with the day-to-day struggle of learning how to go to the bathroom when he has no legs anymore and he's like and, and the last thing he wants to hear. And it reminds me a lot of like after 9-11, there were all of these, you know, triumphant slogans of of how powerful New York was. And I'm sure most of the people who were going through the aftermath of 9-11 wanted the last thing to do was to be, you know, inspirational and pick me up by this slogan. And so that aspect of that movie really touched me of, you know, everybody, they wear these, these armbands, Boston Strong, and they sell hats and sweatshirts. But the face of those people, they probably don't want that. They don't, they want their regular life back. You know, this guy really just feels like he had everything taken from him. And Gyllenhaal sells all of that. He sells the physical manifestation of, of being a guy who has to, who, who sees his life completely changed in the blink of an eye by a random accident. Um, and he sells all the emotion of it. And by the end of it, and he even plays the guy in the movie is kind of a jerk. Like he doesn't really necessarily uh, get along with most people and his family wants him to go on Oprah. And he finally has to push back against all the fact of like, I just want to be left alone. Like I just want my life back. And it's an incredible, incredible performance by this actor who it just routinely surprises me. And when we, when we said we were going to do Jake Gyllenhaal blend, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I was going to pick stronger. But the, as I looked over his filmography and wanted to pick what I truly thought was my favorite performance by him, I 
I went with that. So that's a great pick. It's a Thank great you. pick. Um, I remember that he has so many roles where you look back at them and you go, "How did he not get an Oscar nomination for that?" Stronger is one of them um, for sure. I know he's got an Oscar nomination before, but he's deserved a lot more than he's ever gotten. Um, what did he get it I, for? Brokeback um, Mountain. Supporting oh, did he? Actor okay, for, gotcha. yeah, supporting actor for Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Um, uh, I whenever I play this game, I tend to go with performance because because I think that that's more says more about the actor. Um, if I were to choose my favorite movie that he's in, it would be Zodiac. But I am choosing performance, and my favorite performance of his is Nightcrawler. He he takes in in this character two completely polar opposite ideas, which is like genuinely working hard. That the American dream, I'm going to bust my ass and do what it takes to achieve the impossible. And then he takes the, I'm going to like rip out your throat and will literally do whatever it takes to step over your dead body and to get what I want. And somehow plays both of those at the same time. He is, <laughs> he is a monster with a really good set of ideals about what it means to succeed in the American world. And maybe I am sort of like sort of attached to this film indirectly because it is about the business in which I work. I mean, we literally use, we refer to them as stringers. We literally use these guys uh, on the night side uh, in our newsroom. Uh, and it gives me sort of a new, you know, you, I've never met any of them. You hear about like, hey, do we want to buy, the, it's referred to as stringer tape. Do you want to buy the stringer tape? Um and, and but just the way he's able to spin back and forth, like what's this this sort of this tumble into like you almost see this creation of a monster. Like he starts out wide eyed and bushy tailed, and he really wants to do the right thing, and he wants to do it the right way, and he wants to he wants to succeed in this world. And then it's almost like this the American dream turning into a nightmare, where he realizes like sometimes you gotta step over a body, and sometimes you gotta be the one that puts the body there to step over it. And I just think he somehow, and he does it with this really dark sense of humor, but also does it with like, I, I feel empathy for the guy, but I'm disgusted by the guy. And, you know, usually to nail one of those is impressive, but somehow he, I, I'm left feeling all of them. Yeah, it's so true. And what I love about Hall too, is I think too many actors have an inherent need to be liked by the audience. And I never feel that he thinks that. I think he just takes whatever role is interesting and he'll play whatever component he needs to sell for the story and never once gives a thought to how his image is going to be altered by that. Like he just truly goes after whatever is important for the character and yeah. and that story that he's telling. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I, I think he's taken a really nice path in his career. I know he tried doing a few big blockbusters earlier in his career that didn't really take off. And so he sort of said, okay, it almost seems like he said, obviously I don't know the guy. Um, but it almost seems like he he decided, okay, I don't care about big franchises or, or big blockbusters or, or box office returns. I care about characters and I care about story. And if I do that right, then my career will flourish. And it seems like, and I feel like Colin Farrell's kind of done the same thing too, where they're making choices based on the characters and the scripts. Um, which I know is ironic to say, considering Gyllenhaal's next movie is the the third Spider Man two. But um, well, to that end, he's been rumored to take. Batman if he takes it is that a disappointment or to at least be offered Batman for Matt Reeves yeah I would say I would say yeah because in the same way that I would be disappointed that Fincher took World War Z too not that I think that he's a bad choice and I think he'll kill it but I think that unfortunately when sort of like you know and also with James Cameron because we're getting avatars two three four and five there's a billion great James Cameron movies we're not getting and unfortunately yeah. if Gyllenhaal takes Batman He's gonna. He's not taking one Batman. He's taking multiple Batman, and that's 
going to be a lot of great performances I feel like we won't be getting because he'll be contractually obligated to take on more Batman. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, audience picks. What did everybody say? Let's see. Nightcrawler was a huge choice. Um, at Uncanny Comic took Nightcrawler. At Movie Cooper took Nightcrawler. The beloved fourth chair, shut up, Kalina, took Nightcrawler. Uh, Love and Other Drugs was chosen by uh, Niaeo Rodriguez. Niaeo... These are tough, guys. Pick Smith1234. Uh, saying, quote, such a funny, sexy, sweet performance in an underappreciated, if uneven film. I like Love and Other Drugs. I thought it's a pretty good movie. And then Lomas chose Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko is so incredible. Um, ahead of Way ahead of its time. So, um, For next week's Blend Game, uh, you guys can start reaching out on Twitter. We are going to play... For a very special reason, hashtag Robert Rodriguez blend. Oh. <laughs> Kevin, why don't you tell everybody why we're playing hashtag Robert Rodriguez blend next week? Oh, well, this is amazing. So we uh, are doing an interview with Robert Rodriguez for Alita Battle Angel, uh, which is crazy because our podcast is um, something we just started to talk about movies as friends. And uh, now we're having like directors that we love on our show Alfonso <laughs> Coron and now Robert Rodriguez um so yeah so he's gonna be on the show next week we did like a 15 or 17 minute interview with him uh we covered essentially all of his movies Sin City from Dust Till Dawn Desperado uh everything so if you're a Rodriguez fan definitely recommend we listening. learned some really fun Dust Till Dawn stuff that's gonna oh be part God. of this interview <laughs> so we had a really good time geeking out with him so get your picks in for hashtag Robert Rodriguez blend uh, you can let us know your picks via email at realblend at cinemablend.com of course you can go over to the twitter feed at realblend and uh, follow along with the community there uh, you can also follow us individually Jake is at at Jake's Takes Kevin is at at Kevin McCarthy TV and I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. Please go over to Apple iTunes. Leave us a review. As you saw at the beginning of this week's episode, we will read your review at the top of each show. If you guys are able to leave us one, leave us a star rating. The more the merrier. All that stuff helps us out with Apple. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode number 56. And in that episode, we will have the aforementioned interview with Robert Rodriguez. Um, so, And we have a couple other really exciting things cooking. So, get those picks in for Rodriguez Blend. We will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode, and... Dunkirk. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming... And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.